0: Welcome to the first Adams and Hayes podcast of 2024.
1: Dan, how are you? I cannot believe it's nearly March. Um, that's it's how It's nearly I March. <laughs> no, tomorrow's the 29th of February. And if it wasn't a leap year, tomorrow would be March. Um, yeah, I'm all right. Thank you. How are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm all right.
0: I keep telling people that I blinked to miss January. That just went. I've got no yes. idea where that went. Um, and it appears that February pretty much done the same.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people, if you tell them you blinked and missed January, were like, "What were you? What, were you just asleep?" Because January was long this year. January was long.
0: I'm hearing that, but that that just didn't happen for me. Um, it just went really quickly. Really busy at work. Really busy socially. Got got the child running around with all these multiple diseases.
1: Yeah. Uh... <laughs> oh dear. Um, did you, so before we dive in, this might be quite a personal question. You don't have to answer it at all. But like I find January really long because we get an early paycheck in December and then January is a five week month. And it yeah. this year it was like six and a half weeks between paychecks, which was a long, long time. Are
0: you basically saying, am I financially stable enough to not notice how quick months go?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I <don't> know, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so what are we doing on this episode
0: this episode we're gonna kick off series with a guest episode a week or so ago we sat down with nathan wilkinson jones from 1974 rapport uh, nathan's really down to earth he's straight talking and he's just a complete oracle when it comes to dust and particulates
1: yeah it was great catching up with nathan um i mean i think oracle is an understatement i'm not really sure what term you would use to describe someone of such knowledge, but he really does know his stuff. It He's does. been around the block a bit. Um, and yeah, so it's it's good to get into that episode. But I think the most exciting thing about this episode with Nathan is that it's a listener requested episode. So big shout out to Lee Rigby. Lee requested this about six months ago. Sorry it's taken us so long to get around to it, but we have. Uh, it's the first episode of the new series as well, so hopefully that makes up for the delay. Um, but if you're listening and you you really love this podcast and you think i i hope dan and anthony will will cover this topic that i really like or i'm really passionate about or i'm really interested in knowing more on don't wait for us to come up with it send us an email um or or catch us on social and we'll we'll tell you how to do that in a little bit um after nathan's interview we'll give you the details on how you can get in contact with us if you've got an episode suggestion but for now sit back and enjoy our interview with nathan wilkinson jones So we've got Nathan on the podcast today. Nathan, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Uh, yes, uh, thanks, uh, Nathan. For a start, uh, I'm the company director of uh, 1974 Rapport. That's 1974 Rapport. Uh, We're quite niche in what we do. We specialise predominantly in respiratory protective equipment, uh, i.e., masks, uh, these types of things. So we supply masks. Uh, we help. Um, our customers get masks correct, we conduct face-fit testing, Uh, we're fit-to-fit approved, we are also fit-to-fit approved um, trainers in both the qualitative and quantitative methods, so I think, uh, don't quote me, but we're one of nine organisations in the UK that are able to provide fit-to-fit approved testing and training. So a bit of a one-trick pony, mask supply, RBE supply, fit testing, fit testing training, uh, we also table an uh, asbestos training as well because my work background is in the asbestos removal industry so that's my kind of knowledge of respiratory protection and airborne hazards.
0: Oh fantastic, um, how did you get into it?
2: Uh, by accident, uh, that's the usual answer for, for health and safety isn't it? So um, prior to that I'd left school at 15, wanted to be a geologist but there's no call for that in spoke on Trent so I went to work as a laboratory technician uh, in the ceramics industry, uh, kind of progressed through um, laboratory technician to lab manager. And then I was asked to get involved in health and safety. Uh, anyone with any local knowledge will know that the ceramics industry pretty much collapsed locally. Uh, so I started to look for a job in health and safety because I've been studying towards a NEBOSH diploma. And then quite a baptism of fire, I found myself as a health and safety pro. In the asbestos removal industry so uh tough tough uh, tough job for you yeah athlete.
1: tough gig definitely a tough gig you were a health and safety advisor in the asbestos industry or health and safety uh, health and manager. safety manager
2: s-h-e-q uh so all the stuff that no one else wants to deal with that came down to me
1: yeah so quite a big how so having a science science sort of sciencey background must have been quite helpful uh, in in that role
2: yes and no i think more importantly than anything else it's having a, an, an inquisitive mind uh problem solving that's uh, that's what i like to do uh it doesn't matter if you're a health and safety manager uh a laboratory manager uh or you're involved in respiratory protective equipment we're, we're looking to identify problems uh and solve them as best we can
1: so tell us about. The name of the company, 1974 report?
2: Uh, yes, so uh, choosing to start my own business was <laughs> a, a bit of a snap decision. Uh, I wasn't happy with what I was doing. Uh, when I say a kind of snap decision, it's involved a few cans of uh, cold lager, getting onto the HMRC website uh, and registering a business. And I didn't want a normal uh, kind of NWJ safety or something like that. No disrespect to anyone. I, I wanted something that that was nondescript, and a bit of a talking point, uh, and a bit clever. So anyone involved with health Mm. and safety will recognise the Health and Safety at Work Act, 1974. Uh, Rapport is a really good word, uh, striking a balance or an infinity or an understanding. Uh, And coincidentally, uh, rapport rhymes with 1974. So 1974, rapport was born, uh, like I said, just over seven years ago. (laughs)
0: So, so you picked the name so that it stood out. Tell us about your marketing strategy. Uh,
2: get my brand, my logo absolutely everywhere.
1: Um, <laughs> all... So that, that's that's quite... <laughs> <So> t- <laughs> talking about, yeah. talking about I, I know, getting things I, I absolutely everywhere. Here. Tell us about the condoms. <laughs> uh, the condoms. Uh, I've probably got one
2: behind me. Uh, I, I want his... A, a marketing idea that would stand out so i've done pens i've done pads i've done selfie boards i've done tote bags uh, business cards delivery to the vehicle uh seeing as we're on record as well you can see uh a really ah, fantastic as well uh but I, I wanted something different i wanted a talking point and there's a lot of similarities between a condom mm. uh, and a mask uh as it says on the packaging it's got to be worn correctly it's got to be worn consistently it's got to be tight one size won't fit all. Uh, we need a, a trained user, uh, they, they're quite uh, quite cost effective, to be fair as well. It's not like I'm going out and buying a USB <laughs> sticks uh, or anything like that. So uh, yeah, it's a, it's a niche idea. I knew it was going to yeah. uh, generate conversation. Uh, as I was walking around SHW live, uh, people were kind of pointing and saying, that, <laughs> "That's the condom boy," on uh, all that type of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i've had emails of people asking for uh, supply condoms literally a, do- a dozen or so people have got mm. in touch saying can i have one can i have one uh, and whether you love them or hate them, it it's a talking point so they, they've done the job
0: so um just before we move on dan so um when it comes to respiratory diseases etc um i've got kind of a bit of a personal thing my um stepdad has had COPD since mm. late forties. He's now mid sixties. So he's had it a long time. He can't mm. walk the length of himself without putting oxygen on. And I, and the, um, the advertisement condom that I picked up from you at SHW live, oh. I gave to him and said, maybe this should have, uh, <laughs> maybe this would have worked mm. back then yeah, for you not to be like sort you are of uh,
2: two or three generations uh, ago. Um, most people uh, will always think it's not going to mm. not gonna happen to me, it's not going to happen to me, it's not going to happen to me. But wh- whichever statistics you look at, uh, I mean, I'll just pick off a, a couple 70,000 lung problems caused by work every single year in the United Kingdom. Someone, everyone knows someone who's been uh, affected. I lost my grandfather to mesothelioma. Uh, I interact with people who are unable to wear a mask because the lungs have been weakened by not mm. wearing a uh, a mask uh, and like I say it's not always uh, an old man's thing uh, this will affect females, it will affect younger people, uh, there's people diagnosed with asbestos related in, mm. mouth. in their twenties, uh, the amount mm. of silica dust we generate is frightening because every tradesperson's now got a DeWalt, Milwaukee, other brands that are available uh, set of power tools and they're really, really, really good at generating silica mm. dust or wood dust so this isn't a problem that's going to go away soon.
0: No, no, definitely not. But that's um, one of the reasons that we were really keen to get you on. Yeah. we had a couple of suggestions from listeners to say, um, with the HSC focusing mm. on dust um, last year, uh, it is a topic that they want us to cover. So we yeah. thought we'd come to the person who knows the
2: most about it. And they turned you down so you stuck with me.
1: So I think um, <laughs> it's interesting what Anthony's saying there in terms of, we've had this big campaign from the HSE last year, uh, yeah. I mean, they they talk about dust every year. Let's let's not get away from the fact that it's one 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 year. Yeah. Twenty twenty three was the year for dust. It's it's something they've talked about quite prolifically on their socials and their websites. It's something they're really pushing. So yeah.
2: uh, across yeah. a wide range of sectors as well. Sorry to to, to interject. It could be metalworking. It could be engineering. Mm. It could be ceramics. It could be construction. it yeah. could be Food manufacture. Absolutely. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. But the, the common- are
1: the, the same. I mean, I'm always blown away by the number of people who work in catering that don't realize that inhaling large amounts of flour isn't good for you. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, occupation.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. and, and then, it's I,
1: I saw something the other day. I think it was Jonah Hill re- reminiscing about filming Wolf of Wall Street, um, where obviously they inhaled a lot of things as part of recording that, but ground up vitamin D dust. And I was like, surely that's that's not a good thing to inhale so i don't
2: know too much about vitamin d but uh, i mean it wouldn't surprise me if it's uh, some kind of allergen uh maybe even a sensitizing agent but inhalation of any dust isn't good i've met a person on a training course whose mother had been killed essentially by inhaling powdered milk she worked in an ice cream mm. factory uh copd uh, and then complications mm. claimed her life in early senses yeah. through powdered so milk. so given that it's
1: Like it's a massive topic and sort of Anthony and and yourself both have personal stories and my, um, my grandpa died from asbestos related cancer. I think everybody's probably got a personal story about dust. Why? And this is one of the questions that a lot of our listeners have asked us is why is it so hard to get people to wear a mask properly?
2: Um, I'm going to reverse a little bit if that's okay. Um, everyone involved in health and safety knows that uh, personal protective equipment's the last line of defence, uh, but it's probably the most convenient line of defence. So where employers should be focusing the resources is controlling dust at source, substitution, uh, elimination, um, but that can be expensive. Uh, quite often it's a quick fix just to say, wear a mask, wear a mask. Um, and when we get to that stage, it literally is a case of an employer Going down to Screwfix or Arco or whatever it might be, buying some FFP2 or FFP3 masks with little to no knowledge. They're not training the staff whatsoever. They don't train the staff in the basic principles of how the mask functions. People think if you've got a mask near the face, it's offering some protection. It isn't. There's much more than that. Uh, we've got to select the right mask for the hazard. Um, whether that's the difficult, phys- different physical form of the hazard the airborne concentrations of the hazard. We've got to get the mask selection correct. Once we've got the mask selection correct, we need to prove it has the potential to protect the individual. I. We've got to face that, test people. That doesn't happen. We've got to make sure that the mask remains effective going forward. We've got to implement maintenance regimes, uh, inspection regimes, storage, uh, changing filters, cleaning. Uh, None of this happens. It's just a case of an employer saying, wear that. Uh, and it's horribly ineffective it does not work quite a few of the people that sit on my courses the, the kind of train the test course we spend a lot of time looking at masks and pretty much we'll call break uh, an hour and a half in and pretty much everyone without fail will always say i didn't realize there was so much to masks well you wouldn't do uh, unless you've got a good grounding in masks uh, so yeah uh, failings from from, mm-hmm. from the beginning to the end really
0: so this is really interesting. Uh, we had a discussion with Patrick Tidman from Stalson uh-huh. last year, um, and he's he was saying the same thing about hand protection on oh, it's the last line of defence. Yeah. But people see that as just right. Okay, that's the easiest to achieve. Get yourself done to screw fix. Yeah. We're, we're not going to give you anything that one fits or two is fit for purpose. But yeah. we're doing the bare minimum in order to get by, yeah. rather than like you said. Um, The principles of prevention, the hierarchy of control, putting those in place, and start Mm. eliminating risks at source. Um, So, so yeah, it's interesting that both hands and and lungs we effectively in the same category. We need to start pricing hearing
2: protection, head protection, feet protection. uh, Mm. There's common denominators here. It seems to become a tick box exercise. Uh, What's the quickest and cheapest way that we can tick a box?
1: It's, it's sort of Anthony's to the conversation we've had with Patrick before, and I, I was thinking exactly the same thing. It's a great, great question. Is there an issue with the way that we, you know, our Eric PD charts? Where when you look at it, it's like amount of effort versus effectiveness. And the idea is that although it's less effort, like I'm, I'm pretty sure I've seen ones that are like they're less effort, but they're less effective. When actually, it should just be effectiveness. Just cut, put, put the, put the effort out of the window, because does that? Do you think that encourages people to think, okay, although it's, might be the least effective control, it's also the one that, results in the least effort.
0: Effect, effectively yeah. getting them to take the path of least resistance.
2: Yeah, it it's all boils down to cost, doesn't it? Uh, it's, it's as simple as that. If I was to ring someone up for a quote for a all singing, all mm-hmm. dancing LEV system, I could kiss goodbye mm-hmm. to six figures quite easily. Um, whereas people will say, well, I can get a few boxes of masks, we'll just wear these, and it's only going to cost us X amount of hundreds of pounds. But the problem's never going to go away. Um, well, well, that hazard's there. You haven't solved the problem. You, you're almost d- delaying or swinging it under the carpet or, or taking the quickest, cheapest route out. But if people were to invest, and suppressing dust controlling dust mm. they take away the need for these uh, i mean bad news may be out of the business but um, <laughs> the, the hazard would be controlled at source uh, and we we don't get through the this mm. hierarchy of control we, we we got rid of the hazard whichever way it is in whichever sector I,
1: it's so interesting because when we start to speak to to folks like yourself nathan i think more and more and more it's my brain keeps thinking about that little upside down triangle you get on your kneebosch course and just thinking that that has like got to be one of the most ineffective ways of communicating the hierarchy of controls. and that I think yeah. the more I speak to folks like yourself, I think as health and safety professionals, we're thinking about risk control wrong. I, I don't know what the alternative is, but this idea that you can you can have this pyramid, this perfect pyramid that you you jump down level by level until you get to the perfect combination of controls. It, it's just, yeah, I am i don't know what the answer is, but yeah, it's... Uh, yeah. It's,
2: it's yeah. Too, too idealistic, isn't it? Uh, and, and also just picking up on a comment. We've, we've just used the term half a mm. dozen times, health and safety. They're two different disciplines as far as I'm concerned. Safety, yeah. we're pretty good at. Uh, this will sound blasé. We only kill about 100, 120 people a year through safety failings, some getting crushed, some getting falling off a building, uh, something mm. like, we, we kill about 120 people a year. Just through respiratory health, we kill 12,000 people uh, a year. they two very different disciplines, uh, and yet it's always banded around health and safety, health and safety. Uh, I think we need to start to try and split these off, uh, which Judith was trying mm. to do as uh, head of the HSE uh, a few years ago, but again, it's going to take generations yeah. to change attitudes. I
1: mean, I, mean the, the, I guess there's a point of saying, look how far we've come in Fifty years since 1974, just about. Is it fifty years? Uh, yeah, fifty also, also years. Back. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, look how far we've come with safety yeah. in fifty years. Um, I mean, it, it's yeah. it's scary to there think the way that people used to work before. Um, I also think like completely different world. Um, so you know, I, I I don't know about you, but I constantly get videos of people like is it Fred Dipner, the um, the Jack? Yeah yeah i've got a lot of time for friends, you know? and people like oh imagine wouldn't have been <laughs> yeah. able to do that <laughs> and you just think yeah it was a different time no but
2: uh, i mean different times but uh, if you look at his um mm. control measures mm. bob on no he, he didn't die falling no. off a of chimney did he so like i so, said he, he got the safety bit right it was the health bit yeah. that, that kind of Absolutely. Got, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, we have moved on. Uh, The Health and Safety at Work Act had a big part, but for me, um, when I started in the world of work, it was 1994 in the ceramics industry, Uh, health and safety was not a thing at my place of work. Uh, It really wasn't. Uh, I was expected to walk across Mm -hmm. um, settlement tanks on scaffold boards. I was smashing up caustic soda with a sledgehammer, no gloves, no eye protection. Uh, and what it took was the um, management regs, 1999, to start making ripples. Mm-hmm. But I'll go into workplaces, and i go into a vast amount of workplaces. Now, if I'm invited to a customer's premises, they've got some idea of health and safety, or they wouldn't be asking me there, and you look around and you're thinking, my goodness, this is draconian. You, you could spend a, a day hazard spotting. That's not right. That's not right. Uh, I'm not talking little failings. I'm talking big failing team, mm. we we're still a million miles off from where we need to be.
0: Uh, so Nathan, um, how do sheep professionals and other project professionals approach the challenge that is getting workers to be clean shaven?
2: Yeah, it, it is a big challenge. Um, as, as we all know, these do not function with facial hair, as simple as that. So when I turn up to face that test, I'll find that there's quite a few people who are unable or unwilling to shave i uh, got two examples sitting on the screen here, but obviously you're not mask wearers. I was,
1: I was about to say, would you normally have a beard? or is No, beard?
2: I, I'm always, 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 always clean shaven. Uh, I am uh, growing a moustache. I went to a queen tribute the other night and I was wearing a fake moustache. And mean, my me, me brother said it suits you. So uh, I think I'm going to grow a moustache, but at uh, the early stages. Um, but anyway, um, because of my work background, asbestos, I've also worked for a fire and rescue service my contractual obligations were to be clean shaven i also understand the significance of being clean shaven to wear a mask so part of my routine is to get up and have a shave it's no biggie i have a cup of tea uh, i iron a shirt uh, i brush my teeth and have a shave i don't think it's a it's a big Mm. ask for people to be clean shaven to wear Mm. a mask but that's my personal opinion uh, and there's many, many reasons why people might want to wear facial hair. It could be a religious belief. It could be self-confidence. It could be part of their persona, their image. They could be using it to disguise uh, facial disfigurements. The, the partner might like them with facial hair. There's lots and lots and lots of reasons for people wearing facial hair. Uh, and it's not my job to force people to, to be clean shaven. So if I turn up to a client and there's people who are unable or unwilling to shave, one of my favorite uh, sayings, um what I will then do is try to educate that person this is how the mask functions this is why you need to be clean shaven this is the thickness of your facial hair this is the thickness of the hazard this is what the hazard uh, has the potential to to do to you and then ultimately I refuse to face fit test them because if they're unable or unwilling to shave this is not the correct device for that person um but as we know if we're looking at a powered air system uh, we're talking several hundreds of pounds mm. potentially. So three pounds, thirty pounds, or four, five, six, seven, eight hundred pounds per mm. person. What does the employer want to, to happen? Uh, but again, they're, they're not educating, they're not enforcing, they're turning a blind eye, they're not looking at the hierarchy of uh, control. Uh, in many instances and in many sectors, they just want the job done. Mm. Um, health and safety takes a back burner until everything goes wrong. We, we want to get the job mm-hmm. done. So just have a shave today. Nice. You can grow it back tomorrow when you've had your fit mm-hmm. test. False economy, complete false economy. Mm-hmm. So how, how do we get people to change? Um, we educate people. Uh, we make sure they're respectful of the hazards. Uh, they see uh, the longer or, or bigger picture with regards to their health. We educate people into how these things actually perform. We need to uh, explain and reinforce the significance of being clean shaven. Simply put, the mask will not protect you if worn with, uh, with facial hair. Uh, and again, we've got to keep banging the drum and banging the drum and banging the drum. Um, if people are unable or unwilling to shave, then we look at the powered area. So we take them away from that hazard, we control uh, the hazard by other means. We could also look at contracts and employments where we would be straight up with people uh, you work in a dusty sector you're expected to wear a mask we expect you to be clean shaven is this a job for you sign on the dotted mm-hmm. line if it's not a job for you then i'm, mm-hmm. I'm very sorry uh, but we have a reliance on tight fitting RP in this sector and again i i explain my situation i don't think it's a big burden for most people to shave in order to protect their acute or long-term health And that, that's the problem we've mm-hmm. got if we're talking acute hazards, something's going to burn you, end you, kill you right there and right then. People treat it with respect. Where we've mm. got long latency periods, people don't see the danger. No.
0: So um, I used to do a bit of face fit testing. testing. Um, I've got to give it to you. I absolutely hate yep. doing it. <laughs> I hate it on my skin. It's just horrendous. Um, and I've been a beard wearer for a long time yep. now, but I haven't. I don't need the risk controlled for me. Yeah. So I turned up to do this gang of lads. There must have been thirty mm. of them, and I turned up with a beard. And I went, "You're not clean shaven. You're not clean shaven. You're not clean shaven. Here's why you need to be clean shaven. I'll try again tomorrow. Right, everybody that's clean shaven, I'll uh, sort you out. And there's one guy that came up and he said, "I'm clean shaven for this, but my missus has fallen out with me. So from tomorrow, I'm going to start growing my beard back." And I'm like, well, mm. I can't issue a certificate yeah, same. Uh, I won't
2: because use a test. I'm not. It's a, it's a false mm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Th- this mask isn't for you. It isn't going to work yeah. for you. Um, and ever since then I thought, should I be shaving before going to do these f- 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 tests? But then I thought even striking that conversation with why I'm not and why they need to yeah. be was useful. Although it was kind of sticking my head above the parapet, I suppose.
2: Yeah, um, I, I have. Uh, well, I do. I am clean shaven on a daily basis. Uh, that's my look. That's how I exist. That's how I live. Uh, mm-hmm. Is it easier for me to make an argument that it's possible to, clean, to, to shave on a daily basis? Potentially. But that, that's not the reason that I'm clean shaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I was in a sector where I needed to be clean shaven, I have no qualms with that. Uh, If I ever had a huge birthmark or mole there, and I wore facial Mm. hair to disguise that, I wouldn't be Mm. clean-shaven. I wouldn't be comparative. So we do have to consider everyone's individual reason. But a lot of the time, uh, and this this sounds like a strong word, it it says laziness. Uh, People who could shave, uh, and it wouldn't wouldn't be any skin off the nose. Uh, They they would choose not to shave.
1: Mm. So some slightly technical questions about shaving then how often do you need to shave just for those that maybe don't know uh,
2: different for every person uh the shortest answer that i could give uh not just different for every person different for every mask uh as well uh but the shortest answer that i could give health and safety executive studies looking at a range of male volunteers and a range of masks have suggested that as little as 24 hours facial hair growth could compromise the performance of the mask Uh, But again, if I've got a really good mask, Mm. I might be able to get a bit more than that. If I've got a a baby face, um, lighter hair, I might be able to get away. So what we're looking for really is zero facial hair contacting the seal of the mask. Uh, That's the ideal uh, standard.
1: Why why do people get so stressed about facial hair? Like we've we've just spent probably the best part of 10 minutes talking about facial hair and masks. Why is it... We haven't explained the yeah. basics,
2: have we really? Uh, so if we're looking at something like this or this, uh, these devices rely on essentially an airtight seal to the face. So when we inhale, what we do is we create a negative pressure on the inside of the mask. Once we've created the negative pressure on the inside of the mask, air needs to push mm-hmm. in, uh, we need to restore that imbalance. So if this device is sealed to the face, the only way for air to get into the mask is through mm-hmm. the filter. If however, there's a slight inefficiency on the seal of the mask, then air will take the path of least resistance, uh, where we haven't quite got that Mm airtight seal. Now, if we're talking about facial hair, we could say that it's about 50, 60 to 70 microns in Mm -hmm. diameter, so a micron being a thousandth of a millimetre, 50, 60, 70,000 microns of uh, of a mil, Uh, but the hazard's only that big, uh, and it doesn't take too much imagination Mm -hmm to see that the, the hazard could penetrate those gaps quite easily uh, where we're looking at filters this is this is a dense membrane mm. uh, Air doesn't want to easily pass through that it' much rather mm. take an easier route so we must be fully clean shaven wherever the mass contacts the face in order for it to protect.
1: So silica dust, asbestos dust those are the two big ones that people will have known about. Um, we talked yeah. about flour and kind of foodstuffs inhaling. What are the other types of dust um, or dusts that people may not yeah. know about that we're kind of like, oh, actually, we need to give that some consideration?
2: Yeah, I mean, we could stretch it wider than dust, but yeah, you've mentioned asbestos and silica because they've got a lot of press. But we could talk about um, wood dusts, uh, whether that's medium density fiber boards, whether it's uh, hardwoods softwoods, uh, wood dust is not good for you. If you look at other more obscure sectors, this might be um, coal, uh, it could be flour, it could be grain, it could be metalworking fluids, it could be uh, infection prevention and control of virus as still a solid mm-hmm. particle. Uh, not just a, a solid particle, but a solid particle transmitted by liquid droplets. So we now need to consider mists and aerosols. We need to consider fumes, Uh, We could consider smoke, which is a mixture of uh, combustion, gases, and particulates. We need to consider gases and vapours, and different gases and vapours need different filtration uh, as well. So the the list can go on and on and on. But yeah, wood dust, a big one. Uh, Grains and flowers a big one. Uh, Metals, uh, silica, asbestos. Uh, Again, we... Any time we get in a dust in the lungs, there's a potential Mm -hmm. uh, that it could cause ill health. That could be because the product has a known toxicity Mm -hmm. or it could be our body's reaction to that particle in the lung where we're getting some kind of allergic reaction as we try to, to break it down through enzymes.
0: So the only thing that should be going into our lungs is the air that we breathe?
2: Unfortunately, I'm sitting here now. I'm breathing in dead yeah. skin, I'm breathing in carpet fibers, I'm breathing in silica dust. Yeah. I'm going to go and get in my car and I'm going to be breathing in millions and millions of particles of diesel particulate, mm. which is uh, going to kill a good few hundred thousand people yeah. per year uh, as well. So, if we can reduce uh, as much inhalation of particulate mm. as we can, that, that's only ever going to be a good thing. The human body is very, very clever, it can deal with certain particulates quite well, not so much. For, for other particular and again consider viruses as well how good is your own immune mm-hmm. response uh, dealing with that particular virus as well
1: um so i think last kind of serious question i mean they've all been fairly serious um self-employed people this is going to seem like a yeah. mountain because you know and we we referenced the fact that You've seen lots of guys, maybe one man in van bands, two man in van bands, driving around with with a set of yeah. whatever tools that they've bought from. You know, you can buy a set of tools from um, Screwfix or Tool Station. Other DIY slash providers are available yeah. for like eight hundred quid now, so they can get almost the whole setup for you know whatever, and then they've got to maybe get a table saw, um, whatever, yeah. and then they they crack on from there. So the idea of spending potentially loads of cash on face fit testing, getting a face fit, face fitted mask, getting the right mask for the right tasks, there's only one of them, you know, they might have more masks in the van than there are people kind of thing. It could feel like a bit of a mountain. What would your advice be to somebody who's self employed in terms of them starting to figure out how to manage this risk themselves?
2: Well, the, the first thing is appreciating that risk. Uh, if you're a joiner, you might not see wood dust as uh, as a hazard. Uh, if you're a bricky or a groundwork, you might not see silica dust as a, as a hazard because it's not causing that immediate harm. Uh, so first thing, we need to make sure that people understand the hazards, uh, They need to want to protect themselves. Um, After that, there are cost effective ways of going about this. Uh, The most cost effective is one of those 20, 30 pounds. A face fit test, uh, 30, 40, 50 pounds. Uh, You look after that mask, uh, change the filters now and again, and you're protecting your health. If, however, we're talking about people who need a powered air system, mainly because of facial hair or wear time, increased wear times, we're now looking at three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine hundred pounds. And while that sounds like uh, a big pill to swallow, The bigger picture, is it really, Mm -hmm. Uh, you've you've got a £20,000 van, Mm -hmm. you've got a Mm £2,000 table saw, uh, a £300 Mm -hmm. drill, Uh, you've got lots better lungs, uh, and if that few hundred pounds will help protect your Mm -hmm. lungs, then that's got to be money well spent. Now, if I'm a joiner, a brickie, someone doing physical works, and I get COPD or occupational Mm -hmm. asthma, I'm no longer a joiner or a brickie because I haven't got the lung capacity to want to take those activities that that's my income mm. source gone um all for the sake of not getting a mask or not getting a power hood or not getting face mm. fit tested uh so whilst it might seem that we're just taking a few hundred quid off the top line to protect your health you're, mm. you're not your future proofing yeah. your health you're your future proofing your happiness your health your ability to play with your kids your ability to earn because let's face it that's why people mm. go to work not for me i come for the fun of it but a lot of people Uh, we'll still want to earn earn money and Mm. that's it and if you haven't got physical ability you you haven't got a career
0: anymore in that sector. absolutely that's exactly it and i've had those conversations with people on site previously exactly the same thing on the reason you're here is to earn money and and provide for your family or uh, wanting a better life for yourself that sort of thing um you'll want to retire you'll want to retire relatively good health so that you can still enjoy your life past work why would you risk all that for a couple of hundred quid while you're working
2: yeah Uh, there's a lack of understanding that it all comes down to people do not understand the hazards they do not understand the significance Mm -hmm. uh, of wearing masks if we we look at asbestos how long did it take for people to wake up to the idea that asbestos is killing people Mm we are generations we've only just stopped the drum yep. about silica dust and wood dust and flour and metal working fluids. It's going to take a generation to change attitudes.
1: One last question. This is a bit of a curveball. Can health and safety either as a discipline as a whole or together leads to high performing business? And if so, how?
2: Oh, goodness, uh, that, that's a tricky one. Uh, It's it's been a while since I've studied my NEBOSH Diploma, um, but everything pointed towards good health and safety makes good business sense. If you've got a happy, healthy, safe and motivated workforce, they're going to work in your interests. Uh, It's as simple as that. Uh, If, however, we're we're not looking after people, whether it's uh, from the kind of welfare side, health and safety side, if there's a divide between management uh, and the workforce, Uh, that's not conducive, that doesn't make good business sense. We want everyone pulling in the right direction. If we're looking at one civil action for lung disease, straight away we're looking at a six-figure payout uh, for one person, for one lung disease, um, where we've got health and safety executive interactions, Uh, a prohibition notice can cost tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands uh, of pounds. Uh, Good health and safety does make good business sense, but it takes effort uh, to, to reap the rewards and like with anything in life, people are often asked to a quick fix, unfortunately.
0: Well done. I don't know about you, but I really enjoyed that conversation with Nathan.
1: Yeah. We obviously recorded it a couple of weeks ago. I've listened back to the edit of the actual podcast a, a few times over the last week or so, just so I can kind of formulate my own thoughts and there's so much packed into it i think that was one of the things that i kind of took away from it as i was trying to think you know we want to say like the one thing that really stuck out to us yeah as kind of a, bit of a reflection at the end of the at the end of the episode i was like i don't know which bit to pick out like it was just yeah
0: <laughs> yeah well um before we go into what we thought about it um i'd just like to invite the listeners Mm. let us know what you thought about it was there something that sticks out to you something that resonates if so leave us comments either from wherever you get your podcast or on our socials Mm. Uh, we'd love to have a conversation and get some feedback on on what you thought about this conversation with nathan
1: probably for me the biggest thing is it's a starter for 10 on a conversation that we need to have Mm. i think the biggest part of that conversation that really stuck out to me is the challenge of how do we face fit testing, people shaving? I know you and I aren't great examples because we have both got beards, which are not just a sign of laziness anymore. Really. It's like, it's a fashion thing for a lot of people. And you know, Nathan went into kind of different reasons why people may wear a beard mm. and it, yeah, it's something I'm, I'm going to go away and have a real, real think about and a real consideration over if you like. There's so many nuances to that conversation of right, how do we how do we make sure that workers, employees, operatives, whatever group your employees fall into, that they're they're shaving when they need to, when they're wearing the right masks. And I think that's a massive challenge. I think it's partly the reason why we we're asked to do this podcast is because that's the that is a huge challenge. How do you make that actually happen? I think Nathan had some great points. I think one of the things that he covered on there that really is for me a way forward is really starting to kind of come across with the technical side of it. It doesn't need to be confrontational. You don't need to go into it and say you need to wear a mask because you might die. But actually having a bit of a conversation, turn it into kind of an opportunity to share some knowledge. Yeah, I I think that's possibly the place to start. But yeah, Mm -hmm. that was definitely my big takeaway, which is we've got a real long way to go on this.
0: Yeah, I did too. Uh, I think the, the thing that stuck out for me, similar to the Patrick Tidman conversation on the PPE is the last line of defense. Um, it's the last thing that you do in your hierarchy of controls. However, that's just so often overlooked and it's the cheapest mask or the cheapest glove where actually if it's got to that point where you can't control the risk by any other means, mm-hmm. um, there should be some serious investment there. So it yeah. it's weird that there's a theme of different specialists. Definitely. Yeah. Whether it's RPE or PPE, all the all the specialists are effectively saying the same thing. Mm. On if you left it this late to manage your control, or there's no other way of managing this control, you need to start investing in decent stuff to protect people.
1: I wonder. I wonder. I don't know. I'm not saying this is definitely a connection, but it's a question that sprung to mind. How much of that is a link between? Well, our employer hasn't really bothered the backside to give us anything of quality anyway, so it doesn't really matter if I'm shaved or not, Mm. um, or I wear it or not, because it's kind of the employees are actually a little bit more switched on to this than 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 maybe the employers are, and go not only is it uncomfortable? Not only does it mean I can't have a beard, but it doesn't actually work. Even if I did all those things, it's not fit for purpose.
0: Yeah. It's a, it's just another part of the jigsaw, isn't it? I think Mm. that's, that's what's clear. This is a massive jigsaw.
1: Oh yeah. And it needs
0: all the pieces put together in order for it to work.
1: Yeah. Like 5,000 piece jigsaw. I don't know if you can buy those, (laughs) but it's definitely over 4,000 pieces.
0: So what I will say is I have prepped the, video for our socials yeah um and in the video there is a worker on a quarry (laughs) wearing rpe with a massive beard (laughs) so i asked nathan i said nathan i love this video i think this looks brilliant however the guy's got a beard and he's wearing a mask and nathan said i think that's very clever i think that's very
1: clever (laughs) I think that's extremely clever.
0: Let's see how many people have got to the end of the podcast without commenting on our socials to say, but he's got a beard. We know he's got a beard. We know it's a problem. However, the video is still awesome.
1: What we could do is, I mean, it is still awesome, but it's also great. I think it's like, is it clickbait? Is that what it's called? Um, (laughs) If we just jump on the socials every time someone says that and goes, that's great, but listen to the podcast. I
0: think that's (laughs) the plan. That is definitely going to
1: be the plan. Here's the link to the podcast. Give it a listen and find out what we really think. (laughs) No, definitely.
0: So for this series, Dan and I have got our heads together. We have quite a few guests already lined up to come on with more in the pipeline, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, And that will be interspersed with the odd Adams and Hayes episode where we go through the weekly news. We talk about Loved and Loved on LinkedIn. We bring back Mythbusters. So if you've got any myths, let us know.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got, um, I mean, it's been in the news this week as we're recording this. We'll need to sort of record uh, next week's podcast at some point. But we, I've got a juicy news story for next week, which is not necessarily safety, but it's it's a good one for safety people to consider.
2: Fantastic.
1: So, so you're going to have to, I'm not going to tell you what it is, folks. You need to. You need to tune <laughs> into the next episode.
0: People are going to start thinking we're professionals at this. You need to behave yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's it from us today. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Please contact us on our socials. We're at Adams and Hayes on X and on Insta. We now have the Adams and Hayes podcast page on LinkedIn. So feel free to start any conversations on there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, or if email is more your thing, um, podcast at. A-A-H-C-S.co.uk? Yeah.
1: I like the fact that you nearly forgot the domain when you're the one that bought it.
0: (laughs) I know. It doesn't roll off the tongue like it used to.
1: Anyway. Cool.
0: Do you want to close us off?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, as Anthony said, thank you so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed it today. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay
2: well.